Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. I'm very excited to take you to Cinque Terre tonight. I have very fond memories of walking there, exploring the coastline, villages, coves and beaches. I spent an amazing week there, having arrived from San Gimignano in Tuscany. If I close my eyes now, I can still taste the food and wine. And I can still picture all the colors. Italy has to be one of my favorite countries. So why don't we explore it together now? Come, warm your hands by the fireside tonight and allow yourself to be transported along with Devani and myself to Italy's postcard-worthy Cinque Terre. Let me tell you of the day that the magic of nightfalls sent us back through time to explore those quaint Italian villages on a quiet, sunny afternoon that the masses seemed to miss out on. Just before we begin, here's a word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Before we begin tonight's tale, let's take a moment to wind down and relax. In all the noise and chaos of the waking world, perhaps you find that 
you haven't had a moment to rest since you got out of bed this morning. When you're feeling ready, come to a comfortable position. Let your eyes drift closed. And let's do just that. Take a moment to rest. Let your breath wash in and out. And allow yourself to simply be still. Let your thoughts still. Let your breath slow. And feel your mind beginning to clear as day drifts into night. Perhaps in the stillness of this moment, you can feel your body growing heavier. The wind that swept you off your feet today seems long gone as a rather comforting weight sinks into your arms and legs and settles into your core. Let that heaviness blanketing your body ground you in the present moment. Feel it working into your muscles, settling into your bones, and beginning to gently unwind the stress and strain that has twisted itself into your body today. Give yourself permission to unravel tonight. Draw deep breath in through your nose and exhale. Breathe in once more and welcome openness, calmness and kindness into your body. Exhaling, let go of the noise and chaos of the day. Breathing in, welcome peace and quiet and stillness into your body on the tide of your breath. And as you exhale, Feel yourself sink a little deeper into relaxation as this evening's story begins. The more time I passed in nightfalls, the less time seemed to pass at all. The evenings were long, the nights even longer, and every morning just as lazy as the last. On an afternoon that seemed to be stretching into eternity, Anwen was busy teaching Devani magic tricks in the lake. When I had whiled away enough time daydreaming and burying my feet in the soft golden sands, 
I waded into the water to join them. Spring was poised to do just as its name suggested it ought to, and indeed the waters of the lake had already begun to heat up again. All signs showed that winter was beginning to relent. Once firm ice crumbled and crunched underfoot, frost seemed rather more like dew, and the smaller streams flowing into the falls had thawed and begun to trickle over the cliff top once more. The bubble of magic that had kept us warm and protected us from the elements in the harsher months had given me the distinct feeling that I was watching winter from behind the panes of a well-positioned bay window. I had always loved to pass evenings in that way as a boy, tucked up with a book beside the windowsill in one of the empty rooms in my dad's hotel. Winter roiled beyond the glass panes that kept it at bay, and though I had never had any appetite for the cold, I rather enjoyed the season's change from the safety of the windowsill. I loved seeing the first snowdrops and was a little obsessed with the catkins. That morning, it was as though someone had opened the window a crack, and spring had swept across the clearing in a draft of sorts. Anwen was doing her level best to help Devani practice a little water magic, but the nature of Devani's power was bound to the air, and so the water she intended to send high into the sky tended to get caught up in a breeze of her own making, one that tended to follow the direction of her thoughts. As it turned out, Devani's thoughts had a habit of drifting in my direction, and that afternoon, the unconditional love I generally felt most fortunate to receive from her did lead to rather a lot of lake water being splattered across my face. With each passing day, Devani grew more attuned to the skies. Even the breeze itself seemed to want to do her bidding. That morning, when we had woken on the beach, Devani had been the first to notice the quieter, high-pitched tittering that carried under the birdsong we had grown so used to. Devani changed the direction of the wind so that the sounds of the birds nesting on the clifftop drifted directly towards us, and we led there side by side for a while as the birdsong wrapped around us and washed across our senses. Anwen almost cackled the first time water splattered across my face, but Devani flushed a deep red 
when she realised what she had done. I thrust my hands deep into the water and splashed her back until I was certain we were even. And later, when the three of us had grown tired from too much laughter, we wandered from the lake together and stretched ourselves out on the sand to dry. Slowly, the water beaded up on my skin and I watched it begin to evaporate. I closed my eyes and found myself trying to imagine what it might feel like to lie beneath the Italian sun in the very heat of summer on a beach that gave way to an ocean instead of the lake in nightfalls. It was then that the idea struck me. Devani and Anwin seemed content lounging on the beach, and so I wandered into the forest alone to root out the magic. I had learned by then that there was no need to call out to the force that tumbled over the falls, for the magic was almost always lingering somewhere between the trees, hoping for an opportunity to feign disinterest when I summoned it. In that sense, the magic was rather like a cat. It was always so ready to shrug off the attention, I could tell it craved. Silence hung heavy between the trees. The snow that had once crunched underfoot had all but melted away, and the breeze had abandoned the chill it was carrying across the mountains in the months prior to that morning. It seemed as though the clearing was doing all it could to welcome spring. The magic didn't take long to stir, and I could hear the familiar threads of its voice beginning to weave their way into my thoughts when I announced that I'd like to take a trip. A splendid idea, the magic hummed, with all of the enthusiasm and none of the information that I needed. What about Italy? Somewhere on the coast? The Cinque Terre, perhaps? I asked. I've heard Italy to be truly wonderful, it said, and I could almost hear the smile coating its voice. The magic knew what I was asking of it, and just as I'd once thought the art of magic in general to be impossible, I was beginning to think the magic of nightfalls had a tendency to behave just the same. The Italian coast is much fairer in the summertime, it offered. But then, of course, there would be the crowds to contend with. I hear it's gotten to be quite a popular spot in the last few decades, it finished. I'm quite sure you're aware of what I'm asking you for, I said, 
trying not to get distracted by the magic's misdirection. I suppose it made sense that the magic would scarcely ever give me a straightforward answer. Even as a boy I had known magic tricks to be born of illusion, and understood that those illusions were crafted simply by going the long way round, by moving where people couldn't see you, and covering that which moved the trick forward with something bigger. A red herring flying due north, while the sleight of hand was conducted in the south, away from prying eyes. The magic of nightfalls had an indirectness about it. It riddled around me simply to give itself time to work its magic, whilst I thought. In that way, it always stayed one step ahead. That morning, I could feel it rustling around in the background, even as we spoke. Ever since I had met it face to face in the dark of the endless night, I had come to think of its person as being a little fuller than perhaps it was in actuality. Although I knew the magic tended not to have hands, and the ones it had borrowed during the endless night had come as something of a novelty to it, I was convinced that I could hear those hands leafing through time that night as we spoke. I was sure if I listened close enough I could hear it rustling around in the background and looking for the very day I desired to travel back to. If there was one trait of the magics that struck me as distinctly human, it was its fear of disappointing people. I knew that it would never tell me it was doing my bidding, unless it found the perfect day to send me back to. I let it talk in circles, until it didn't need to any longer, and the rustling I could hear but not see finally came to a stop. Ah, here we are, the magic announced, sounding rather pleased with itself. It tipped its cup, and time spilled all across the clearing. When the dust finally settled and the cup had drained entirely, I couldn't tell how far back through time the path it had laid out for me wound, or precisely where it led to. The magic promised me that the path would take me straight to the southernmost village in a string of five that peppered the coast of northern Italy. The path would lead me straight back to the Cinque Terre, just as I'd hoped it would. Precisely when it would lead me back to remained to be seen, but I could hardly contain my excitement at the prospect of visiting the five historic cliff-top villages connected only by train. 
Devani wandered into the woods, no doubt having sensed the magic stirring the pot, and I found myself rather hopeful that I would get to explore the coastline with her. Thankfully I managed to find a sunny afternoon in those parts when the crowds just never made it out for the day, the magic explained. When is it that you're sending us to? I asked the magic. Oh, not too far back, it insisted. But given that the magic was several thousand years old, I wondered if what seemed like a small sum of years to it could have spanned the length of my lifetime fivefold. I've always wanted to visit the Cinque Terre, Devani smiled. Would you be interested in a travel companion? She asked, though I sensed she already knew the answer. I looped my arm around her shoulders in answer, and together we wandered back down the path of time. The path was a short one, and with all the twists and turns it took, I was convinced the magic had tricked us and we would arrive back right where we had begun. Lo and behold, after a while, the sound of waves lapping against cliffs began to wash beneath the usual hum of the forest. So distracted was I by the view beginning to open out before us that I almost didn't notice the ripe lemons and heavy oranges hanging from the trees around us. At the bottom of the path, I pulled back branches weighed down by heavy fruit and gazed upon an image I had seen a thousand times over, printed in the travel magazines my dad left strewn across coffee tables in his hotel. Rio Maggiore is a bright little village that has made a name for itself on the front of picture-perfect postcards. As we wandered down into the town, I couldn't help but notice the way it seemed almost to crumble, along with the cliffside, into the open ocean. On either side of the narrow, cobbled main street, tiny, Brightly painted houses gave way to even tinier bakeries, restaurants, and bars of the same colorway. It struck me that cars simply couldn't fit down such a lane, and I rather liked that though time had worn away at the village over the years, and the coastline had begun to erode, it had not given way to time. It had not widened its roads to make way for cars or raised its ceilings to account for taller generations of people. Rio Maggiore had rejected the fine finishings of the modern era in favour of the quaint old world character that sent my senses reeling back through time. 
The village was so wonderfully quiet that day. The only footfall was our own, pattering down the narrow lanes towards the seafront. Aside from the occasional puff of the steam train connecting Rio Maggiore to the other towns of the Cinque Terre, there was nothing but the sound of the ocean against the rocks to underscore our day. Devani liked to be in the middle of life, wrapped up in it, washed away by it, if you will. I think it might have been part of the reason I loved her so much. If there was a crowd, she would work her way to the heart of it, just to feel the sheer force of a crowd's energy. If a volunteer was needed to try something new, Devani's hand would have been the first one waving in the air. True to her nature, Devani wanted to walk out along the harbour wall as far into the ocean as was possible. When we reached the very end of the wall that jutted away from the cliffs and into the vastness of the ocean, we could feel the salty sea breeze whipping around us and stealing our breath. We hadn't been standing at the end of the harbour for long when a small passenger ferry bobbed into view and moored itself up before us. Tavani didn't look back when she climbed aboard the ferry, and I don't know why she would have. Of course I was going to follow her. The boat was an old one. It creaked and bobbed beneath our feet as we journeyed along the small stretch of the coastline toward the next town, Manarola. The sun was high in the sky and warm upon my skin, in a way that felt luxurious after the winter months that had just passed in nightfalls. When we finally bobbed into Manarola's ferry port, a long lunch and a cool drink in the shade weighed heavy in my thoughts. I offered Devani my hand as she hopped from the ferry down onto the dock, and she held onto it as we wandered towards a restaurant on the seafront. As the waiter showed us to our table, it struck me that that lunch may have constituted Devani and I's first official date. We had bypassed a lot of the typical landmarks in relationships when she had drifted down from the heavens into nightfalls. And so, sitting across from her that afternoon almost a year into the relationship, and on our very first date in the traditional sense of the word, I find myself with butterflies all over again. We ordered a bottle of wine from the region, and I went for a classic 
pomodoro pasta. Devani had decided the day was far too hot to be eating hot food as well, and insisted on ordering dessert for a main. When she ordered a triple scoop of strawberry gelato for lunch, I don't think I had ever respected a person more. Just as the magic had promised, the day was a beautiful one, and one that the masses were missing out on. The restaurant was an understated affair, with no flair or flounce to it, and all of the proof in the pudding. I tried my fair share of Italian food, but it had never tasted better than it did in that humble little restaurant on the seafront in Manarola. When we finished eating, I reached my hand across the table to take Devani's in my own. A heavy lunch hadn't left me keen to embark on another leg of the ferry trip. And so when our tab was settled, we wandered lazily out of the restaurant and up the hillside to the train station. The station amounted to little more than a single train track running between two platforms that had been cut into the hillside. We bought our tickets from a woman sitting behind a table at the entrance to the platform, and she let her young daughter stamp, tear off, and hand them over to us. We wandered down the platform, and whiled away the minutes, gazing out at the Ligurian Sea beyond the cliff. It wasn't until the train we had been awaiting puffed into the station that the view disappeared. Its absence transpired to be momentary, for even the beauty of the steam train and the fine furnishings that echoed of the 1930s were not a scratch on the stunning oceanic expanse that stretched out endlessly as we settled ourselves down in window seats and rolled away from the platform. I couldn't recall a time when I felt more content. It was a gentle joy, a creeping one, one not comprised of a handful of the highest highs, but of a build-up of quite good days. My contentment was born of a myriad of days where the sum of the good and the bad could easily have tipped either way but I'd chosen to see and sense only the good in the world around me. As our train steamed towards the next village on our itinerary, I found myself feeling rather proud that I had mastered my thoughts in such a way. I knew that not all days could look as wonderful as that sunny afternoon on the Cinque Terre did but I'd finally realized that they didn't need to. 
Life is not about chasing down the highest of highs and pushing yourself to seek them out every day. To live like that had been exhausting, and I had found myself more than reasonably disappointed with the days that simply didn't live up to expectations. Life by the falls had shown me that true happiness isn't in the highs that come around once in a while, but rather in the smaller, simpler pleasures that add up slowly over time. The magic that drew me to nightfalls was heavy and earthen, and I felt a connection to the soil and stone beneath my feet. Always. That afternoon on the Cinque Terre, however, I found myself feeling rather lighter than usual. It was as though something in me had shifted, and the thoughts and feelings I had been carrying around with me, the worries I didn't even know I had, were leaving me behind and lingering in each town I visited. By the time our train pulled into the station at Cornelia, there was barely a thought between my ears for anything other than the present moment. Devani and I decided not to disembark and explore Cornelia, for it was the only town on the Cinque Terre not connected to the sea. With the day getting away from us as it was by then, I'd hoped to find time for a dip in the sea before the sunset. When we arrived at the next station in Vernazza, a cool down in the ocean was the very first order of business. We wandered out of the train station and straight towards the beach. When we finally arrived, I pulled off my shoes and raced Devani down the warm stretch of golden sand. I dove into the water after her, noticing that it was even warmer than I knew the lake in nightfalls to be, even at the height of summer. Devani was a strong swimmer, and evidently much faster than I was. By the time I caught up with her and pulled her into my arms, she was half howling with laughter at how slow I had been and demanding a prize for having bested me so thoroughly. What will it be then? I asked, breathing her in as she pretended to consider what might make for a suitable reward. Dinner, she smiled. Candle lit, she added. Somewhere in the south of France should do nicely, I think, Geoffrey. She teased, quirking her brow as she tried my full name out for flavour for the first time. I rather liked how it sounded coming out of her mouth. 
Devani said my name as though it was a word with its own weight and meaning. As though just the arrangement of vowels and consonants alone meant something to her. Eventually, we waded out of the ocean and stretched out on the soft sands of the beach, side by side. The sun had just finished drying the salt water from my skin when it began to set. And as it did, Devani and I found our way onto the hiking path that stretched across the cliff top and led to the final village on our itinerary. Our holiday had left me feeling just as fresh as the breeze that blew off the ocean that night. By the time we were wandering down into the village of Monte Rosso, my mind and body had grown tired, and I craved the comfort of the known, of nightfalls, of home. We made our way to the train station and handed our tickets in at the turnstile before heading out onto the platform. I had a hunch for how best to get home, and so when the train heading south pulled into the platform, we boarded the very first carriage. As the train pulled away from the platform, we began running backwards down the aisle. If time was moving forwards along with the train, it was up to Devani and I to prove that we weren't moving with it, that we didn't belong to whatever part of it we had been bubbled up in on that day. We moved backward down the aisle as the train itself lurched forward into the future. When we finally reached the very end of the last carriage and I placed my hand upon the window there, I felt time rattle around me. Whatever reality had been wrapped around us, unraveled before my very eyes. In no time at all, I found my feet firmly planted back on the beach in nightfalls. As the day's adventure drew to a close, we settled in, side by side, stretched out and wound together all at once, as starlight warmed the sands beneath us, and we drifted off to sleep.